Dooner, and that's the dude. What the truck is a podcast, the gateway drug to freight that happens three times a week live, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Freight Waves TV, also on demand, back the truck up.com, and podcast players, everyone, audio. Just look up what the truck. What's up, man? Is it Monday already? How, I thought we just ended it show, didn't we? What I thought we did. Here? Well, days look, are going today, faster, faster. Today's a special double album. We had a show earlier, and oh, this one we're doing. Yeah. Uh, I went down to Hylion on Earth Day a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Got to drive the Hypertruck ERX. Got to meet with Thomas Healy. Got to do a bunch of Twitter questions. That's what's going to be rolling right after these messages. Net zero emissions by 2035. That's the headline from AIT Worldwide Logistics Sustainability Report. But just one aspect of their overall commitment to corporate responsibility. Whether it's protecting... Corporate and social responsibility, Michael Vince, that's important right there. Whether it's protecting the planet, nurturing the communities we, where we live and work, or ensuring high-quality continuity, AIT is taking action today to deliver a better tomorrow. Learn more at Tellum. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. So I'll tell you something, too. Going down to Austin, it was my first time there. It was a nice little oh, trip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. First time I'd flown without having to like wear masks. Too. Ah. I forgot the the sort of scent that a large group of, of people have in public and like smelling people's breaths and their food and their body. Your mask kind of insulates you from that a little bit. Yeah. So, so um, look out for that when we're flying to uh, when we're flying to Northwest Arkansas. Question: That odor or like someone with like really nasty perfume just stinking up the plane? Oh, that starts to get into your taste yeah. buds and it makes like the cough drop in your mouth start to taste like perfume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, never yeah. good. That's never good. Well, folks, coming up next. Coming up right now is that Hypertruck ERX test ride and that interview with CEO and co and founder Thomas Healy. Thomas, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic coming down here. You and I have had a relationship talking about this company since I believe 2020. So yeah, since we announced we were going public. I yeah. think that's what kicked it all off. It's been a wild time, you know, and I, I've got to hear, hear about this a lot, especially on Freightwaves Insiders last year. You, you told me the whole story behind the company, but now seeing it in person and, and seeing it grow out in the flesh has just been amazing. But one thing I remember from that interview, which was about a year ago, I asked you how it felt being at the company right now, and you said surreal. Does it still feel that way? It is. I mean, every step of this journey, frankly, has been surreal, right? And uh, and when you step back and look at where the company has come, even since we announced we were going public, which was about two years ago now when we initially made that announcement, honestly, you almost can't even recognize the organization uh, within these four walls. Like the amount of talent we've added to the company, the amount of progress we've made towards developing the product. It is surreal. And also the other thing is the fleet interest. Like that's been one of the things that's been so exciting to see over the last, I'd say maybe six months since we really started doing the ride and drive events, which you got to experience today. You got to yeah. drive the truck. Uh, I'm glad we uh, we ended up in one piece at the end of it. <laughs> you yeah. uh, you opened it you, up a little you bit. You put it through the, the test. Uh, no, it was, it was a fun drive. And uh, that's what's, what's exciting is you do those ride and drive events and then fleets get out of the vehicle and they're like, I get it. I see why this is going to work. I see how this can work for my application. I want one, right? And that's that's the surreal part of this. We're, we're designing, building something that we truly believe can have the ability to change the world here. 
What are Fleet's telling you? Like, you have matured a lot since the previous year. Like I said, we took, you mentioned it. We took that test ride. It was really nice. I mean, one thing that people will learn when they sit inside the Hypertruck ERX is it's on that Peterbilt platform. And when you get inside, if you are a truck driver or you're worried about your fleet having to learn some new technology, I thought the coolest thing was that it runs just like a Pete. The only difference was you have a little monitoring system right above the the, the steering wheel or the the windshield that tells you how the system works. Yeah. So we've tried to make it like driving a conventional truck, even though you're driving something that's totally new age and the powertrain is entirely different. But when you get in the vehicle, it feels like a semi truck, right? And to the driver, it's still the same button you push to put it into drive. It's still the same uh, but- button on the dash you push in to release the air brakes. So we tried to keep the driving experience very similar, although at the end of the day, it's a totally different, right? I mean, you have zero noise when the, it's in EV only mode. You got instant torque. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of differences, but yet a vehicle that feels the same. So what fleets have said is, you know, I think at a high level, it's a unanimous thought that trucking's moving to electric, right? I, I think fleets are, it's not like, eh, is this going to happen? Is it not? It's like, no, electrification is happening. And they're trying to figure out what is going to be the right type of electric for them. And what's been really exciting for us to see is some of the people we've had in experience, have experienced electric vehicles, some, you know, just going for ride and drives, which I think you have. Uh, others are actually running BEV plug-in trucks in their operations. And what was interesting for us is we got to kind of hear from them, like, well, what's been working? But also, more importantly, what hasn't been working? And the constant message we've heard is the uh, the demand that these vehicles will put on the grid for a plug-in vehicle is crazy. And they can't even get that much electricity from their utility provider. And the range anxiety is a big problem, right? If you have an electric truck that can only drive 1,000 miles, or I'm sorry, 100 miles, yeah. only drive 100 miles, that's that's a problem, right? That's a very small market that you can go after with that truck versus our system, 1,000 miles range, not needing to reinvent the entire infrastructure. That's where we're seeing a lot of fleets say, hey, I get it. This makes sense. This can really work. Why? I, I love the Peterbilt platform, and I just want to stay on that yeah. for a minute because so many times you see EV designs and so much aesthetic is sacrificed in the name of like aerodynamics. And when you're talking about trucking, there's a, there's a certain aesthetic type Mm-hmm. that a lot of drivers like and a lot of fleets like. And there's a certain look that they like. And if you make it look like a spaceship and you're going to get clowned at a rest stop, I don't know how many drivers you're seeing, you see being receptive to that. So how important was it to you to have a platform that is kind of plug and play? Someone can just, a driver can just jump in with barely any training beyond like his regular truck driving training. Yeah, no, it, very important, right? Because think about it. At the end of the day, this is their home, right? And there's such a strong emotional attachment that a driver has with the vehicle. It's where they sleep. It's where they wake up in the morning and they eat breakfast, right? I mean, like a lot of people don't realize this. Like, you know, if you watch some of the trucker videos out there, it's like, you know, they're in the truck brushing their teeth, right? I mean, this is their home. This is where they do everything. So giving them a vehicle that they're comfortable with. And Peterbilt has a fantastic brand recognition with drivers, right? They love the vehicle. It's a a high-end fit finish vehicle. Uh, It allows us to really convince drivers that this makes sense. Now, We've also done this test of like bringing drivers in and uh, and letting them them drive it. And usually the bias on drivers is they they want the like the truck that you, you think of the stereotypical. It's like rolling coal going down the sure. highway. Like that's a trucker's dream usually, right? And so truckers are a little skeptical about going into electric. But when they sit in the truck, it feels like what they're used to. But then it gives them instant torque, more acce- faster acceleration than what their diesel has, and it has that like quietness that 
is kind of calming, right? Uh, like you even mentioned, you're like, yeah, I could see myself just like sitting here watching or listening to a podcast as I'm going down the road. Well, I'll say it's, it's, it's a little jarring at first because if you're used to a class eight semi truck, you have big rumble. You yeah. have the smell of diesel. You have, you have some of the smoke of diesel. You can really feel it. Yeah. You don't feel the, the dust around the car. Like, there, there's just a whole thing to it. You go home smelling like a diesel truck. You go truck. home, yeah. It's <laughs> like if you work at a fast food place, you go home smelling like French fries. Yeah. You work in a diesel truck, and I'm smelling like diesel. Um, but as I got past that, it didn't rumble, and you yeah. didn't get that. The things I did like is that you actually got tactile feedback on the shifting. Yep. Um, I love that the cabin noise, the DB, is so low in there. Yep. And if you think about it, the rumble is like kind of – it's it's a nice feeling. Yep. But – it's not good on the hands. It's not good for arthritis or anything. So this is like a much, much smoother type of ride. Yeah. No, it is. And and yet we're not pushing the driver into totally new age, you know, like, hey, I don't, I, you know, some drivers will just say, I don't even want to drive it, right? If it's like a vehicle they're not comfortable with. And some uh, even see it as a political stance, you know, I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of different thoughts that go into this, but I think that making it palatable yeah. is a big sell here, especially to that community. And I think that some of the designers in Silicon Valley don't quite understand what fleets and what drivers are looking for. Very true. And and then the other aspect, which is more like our way of looking at it as a company, was if you want to move an industry to electrification, you don't need new trucks. The chassis that are built today are fantastic, and drivers love them. The thing you need in order to move to electrification is a new powertrain. And so that's where it really made sense for our model, where it's like, hey, look, we can just reinvent the powertrain put that in an existing truck and you get all the benefits of electrification and you don't have the downsides of one if we were building the full truck from the ground up we're talking massive massive amounts of capital needed in order to do that yeah. and we'd be inventing or uh, designing inventing creating an entire manufacturing plant for semi trucks which reality is we don't need more you know manufacturing plants for semi trucks we can use the existing ones there today to just put new powertrains in them and that allows us to get to market faster, cheaper, right, in the grand scheme of things, because we don't have that capital investment and, uh, you know, have all the same positive impact for the fleets. Now, you mentioned in our previous interview that you were inspired by a Honda Civic Hybrid, a 2004 yeah. Honda Civic Hybrid. I noticed you had a hybrid truck on the lot, but then you also have the Hypertruck ERX. What's the difference between the two? Because that hybrid term, it's starting to become confusing, right? Because to a yeah. lot of people, they mean, okay, it uses two energy sources, thus a hybrid. But you explained it a little bit differently, at least to me outside. Yeah, so our product portfolio, two different things. The hybrid and the hyper truck, which even when you say them fast, people, you know, they sure. kind of sound the same. But the hybrid is, it's just like a conventional truck where you have the, the engine under the hood, you have the drive shaft coming back to drive the front axle, but then it's only the rear axle of the truck that's an e-axle. So you have one that's powered off the engine, one that's powered off of electric, and your drive of the vehicle, your primary drive will always be that internal combustion engine. The e-axle is just there to take some of the work off of the, whether it's a diesel or nat gas engine under the hood. Versus you step into the hyper truck, both axles are electric. So there is no connection between the generator and the, the axle. So it's a purely EV drive vehicle Battery packs provide all the electricity to the, the axles, but when those batteries get low, then the genset kicks on and charges the batteries as you're going. So the way I like to explain it is like the hybrid, it's like a Toyota Prius, right? You know, you, you only get the old Toyota Prius, the new sure. ones have advanced, but the older ones, you would only drive with the engine on under the hood. The electrics there just doesn't exist. The hyper truck, it's more like a locomotive where it's a purely electric drive vehicle, but you're bringing the generator, bringing the power plant with you in order to charge that battery up. But so like if I'm going to buy a car right now 
I would probably a decade ago may have bought a Prius. Now I would buy a Tesla over Prius because like, why not just make that leap, especially if I want to have it for a while. When you're talking to fleets and they look at the hybrid and look at the ERX, where's the interest light? Do they want to sip? Do they want baby steps? Or are they like, no, if we're investing, let's go this way? Yeah, yeah. we've we've seen more of a shift towards they want to move to the full electric range extender solution, right? And, and fleets are in some ways kind of leapfrogging over hybrid because they want to make a bigger impact. Like a lot of fleets are getting pushed with uh, ESG mandates, right? Yeah. That they got to they gotta become cleaner. The, the companies they're shipping for want them to be a, a greener fleet. They want to take advantage of that emission savings. And you know, if you go to, to a fleet that's focusing on that and you say, hey, I can actually give you a below zero or net carbon negative emissions profile out of the hyper truck, that's a huge win. And do it at costs that are, you know, sustainable as well. Like natural gas costs today are about a dollar per gallon versus diesel. I mean, we're in crazy times or yeah. who knows, maybe we're going to be sitting here in two years and saying, wow, that was good to, you know, I, who knows where diesel goes, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but like diesel, at, you know, whether it even is at three, you know, going from $3 a gallon to $1 a gallon with that gas is huge savings for the fleet. But what about right now? Like, let's say, like, why not diesel? Why not do the ERX on a diesel platform so a fleet could come in and go, okay, well, I can use this now. I understand how diesel works. I yep. understand uh, the range and the and I understand where the availability of, of fuel. So it really comes down to emissions. So at the end of the day, when you have a range extender vehicle, you are still going to be running a generator, which is going to create some pollution, right? Yeah. With diesel, uh, you'd be creating you know the pollution that comes out of diesel. With natural gas, we have the ability to use renewable natural gas, which it's just a crazy concept to think of you know at a high level, but it's basically capturing what was going to be pollution putting that into the natural gas pipelines, and then using that as the fuel on board our vehicle to charge the batteries. So we basically use pollution to make electricity to run our trucks. And with that, we actually have the ability in some cases to get net carbon negative or below zero emissions. So in a weird way, it's actually cleaner or better for the environment for us to be driving our truck as opposed to not, which you can't get that with diesel. How big is the team now? I've noticed, I, I walk in here, I noticed you're like bursting at the seams. Yep. <laughs> I, I really love like the shipping container offices, but there's a, there's just a few of those wide open floor. And then um, y- your other coworkers are these giant trucks. So that's taking up a lot of space too. Uh, yeah. it, what, what's the plan with this office? Yeah, so we've got a couple hundred people now. We are still growing. I think we've got about 50 job postings online right now. So we're hiring like crazy. Uh, so to anyone listening, if uh, if you want to get into electric trucking with a pretty awesome company, uh, you know, ch- go check out our website and uh, apply to the jobs there. But uh, our plan is we are expanding. And so uh, we announced a handful of months ago a facility renovation we're doing. We're still in the middle of that right now. We're actually going to take our offices and move them to the other end of the building. Uh, we're in a 120,000 square foot facility. We're going to move the offices. We're going to revamp the install areas. And we actually just even rented more space uh, that we're going to be moving all of our testing and validation into a building next to us just so that we can continue to expand. So a lot of exciting things happen and a lot of, uh, of shifts in the organization. But I'm I'm honestly amazed, you know, the whole like surreal thing we were talking about earlier, like I'm amazed at the level of talent we've been able to bring into the company, like the engineering team, the installation team. Uh, you know, as you look across the organization, we have amazing, amazing people that frankly, you show up in the morning, it's fun to work with everyone. I mean, 
if, if I was a betting man, I would be long on Austin is a place for, for EVs. I only see this growing. I only see the talent pool growing. And prices may be growing, too. Prices are growing, too, but they're growing everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Chattanooga used to be much cheaper, and now houses over there are, like, 100% higher. So, I mean, it's, it's rippling across markets, right? Yeah. And if you want to live somewhere cool, it's always more expensive than, you know, living somewhere kind of lame. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, I, you know, frankly, the, the big thing has been Tesla has moved in Austin. Like, Austin's had a lot of its own development going on, and it's been a booming city, but that's a big shift for this city, right? Having Tesla move in, obviously a huge organization, obviously in the same space we are. I think we're going to start seeing Austin is going to become this electrification hub, right? Uh, obviously, Tesla brings that. We're bringing that. I think there are going to be other companies that are going to be relocating here. And, you know, that's this is the new age technology, right? This is where some of the biggest advancements are happening. And when you have the actual makers of the technology move somewhere, then you find the people that they source components from, like whether it be motor makers or uh, wiring harness makers, they're going to move into that same area because they want to be close to the companies they work with. So I think, you know, it's uh, many exciting years ahead here for Austin. Okay, let's say I'm Mr. Megafleet. I come yep. in here today, you take me on that test run, I say, sold. Yep. How soon can this be on my lot? Yeah. How so, soon can this be on my lot? Yeah. So we're not there yet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reality is I would love to be, but we're, we're not there yet. So we are still in the, uh, the process of bringing the product through commercialization. So where we're at right now is fleet trials, controlled fleet trials will start later this year in 2022. Uh, what we've already lined up is we've got fleets already committing to production slots just from the ride and drive, like yeah. similar to what you went on today. We've already got fleets saying, yes, I'm ready to commit to production slots, which is pretty awesome, right? And so I think our, we're at 170 units right now in that, uh, that build-out. We also have a backlog of about 2,000 units of reservations behind that. So where we're at is control fleet trials later this year. It's going to be with the fleets that we've already been working with, right, just so that they can already start rolling the trucks into their fleet. Then as we go into 23, we need to go through CARB, EPA, and NHTSA certification. So we need to check the boxes on all three of those. Uh, It's just part of the process of bringing a powertrain to market. And then from there, uh, we'll be able to start production and ramp up uh, in the latter part of 23. So we envision the next kind of year, year and a half year, really working with the fleets and then getting the fleet, the trucks deployed in their operations. I think that's that's something that not everyone understands, especially like maybe on the retail investment side about – how you commercialize these things. And when you're dealing with fleets, they need trials. They need to see these things out in the field. They need to have their drivers inside them. They need to see what the road does to them. They need to see what pulling loads does to them. It's not the kind of thing where you just go, okay, on the market now, buy it now, button on the website. And then like, you know, JB Hunt buys a thousand of them. That's not the way this industry works, as you're saying. Like it's, it's kind of a cookie cutter process of how they adopt new technology. They come in, they try a handful of them. Now, that number varies. Some fleets are willing to go into the 20, 30, 50. Others are saying, I want one, right? My process is I take one truck, I run it for six months, and let me see how it works. Now, that same fleet, could, that one truck could be the fleet that operates 5,000 trucks, and then they're re- ready to say, all right, now I'm ready to do 50. Now I'm ready to do 200. Now I'm, you know, our goal is eventually you look at a fleet and they're buying, some of these fleets are buying thousands of trucks every year. We want to become the powertrain of choice that when they go place their new truck order, they say, of course I'm buying it with a highly on powertrain. This is what makes sense for our operations. What do you think the biggest barrier that you're going to have to break through? What's the biggest challenge as you move forward through the rest of 22 into 23 and you, and you bring highly on forward to... Uh to the fleets. Yeah. So no, like one challenge in particular. I mean, it's, it's just 
commercializing a product. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. It's, you know, mentioned certifications, mentioned uh, going through like test track, uh, you know, testing and seeing what fails on a vehicle, right? I mean, you never, uh, as much as we would all love to say like, oh yeah, you design it once and it's perfect, right? The reality is there are things you just never would even think of. Now, we have a little bit of an advantage on that end though, because we've already got our hybrid product out there, millions of miles already deployed on that system. And we went through a lot of learnings with that. We went through like, you know, upper state New York, horrendous conditions on the road in terms of like uh, just corroding our system. So we learned, all right, what paints do you need to use? What you know, wiring harnesses do you need to use? All things that if you had never deployed a product before, you might not know. So we think we have a little leg up, but, uh, but needless to say, you still have to go through that validation process. So no one hurdle in particular. I think things are progressing really well. We're very pleased with how it's progressing, but it's just a lot of different balls up in the air to bring together to bring a product to market. And we want to make sure it's reliable. Like the one thing we don't want to do is deliver products to fleets so that then the fleets say, no, I don't want to buy more. I didn't have a good experience. We need to make sure they run these trucks and they love them and they say, how can I get more of them? Drivers and fleets, they like choices, right? And one of the quickest turnoffs, and I was, uh, I was a little surprised by this and I probably should have called it out myself, but I was in an EV last week. Mm-hmm. And when a lot of people I know online saw it, the drivers immediately called out that they were using a proprietary built-in ELD. And they didn't like that at all. Okay. Now, I was looking at your truck. It said Omnitrax ELD inside. Could I rip that out and put my own in there? Yeah, absolutely. So we are ELD agnostic. We're OEM agnostic, right? We're not trying to force fleets into uh, it has to be a all Hylion solution, right? Now, the powertrain, yes, that is all Hylion. But, you know, whether as we're going through the shop, you saw us installing hybrid trucks. We have... Freightliners out there, we got, we've done Navistar, we've done uh, Volvo, obviously Packard, Peterbilt, Kenworth. So like we are OEM agnostic. Now going to market, we are using the Peterbilt for the Hypertruck, but long-term plan there is to be OEM agnostic as well. So we are not trying to force fleets into, you have to move everything over to Hylion. Our goal is more to work with them and, and they can say, hey, I like Omnitrax or I like PeopleNet or whoever they want to use. You can choose that and, and we'll integrate with it. So you're using the, the NatGas solution on the ERX right now, and you've said you plan to iterate upon that and eventually get to hydrogen. What's the challenge in hydrogen right now? Because there's a lot of people who go, where's the hydrogen? Where's the hydrogen? But if you look at some of the numbers behind hydrogen, just at the moment right now, it's, it's a, daunting. You're not <laughs> yeah. going to you're not you're going to have a very hard time selling that to a fleet at the moment. Yeah, no. So I think. Everyone agrees, Euphoria Solution, where we would all love to be is 100% hydrogen, but it's all got to come from green hydrogen, right? If you uh, if you fire up your coal-fired power plants to produce hydrogen to put it in a truck, I don't think you're really doing the right thing. <laughs> Same yeah. thing with a BEV plug-in truck, right? Uh, it has to come from green sources. So with hydrogen, there are still a lot of hurdles that need to be overcome. Costs need to come down, and pretty substantially. I mean, costs can be north of $10 per kilogram. I mean, I think yeah. California is up at like $16. They've shared, right? So there's some big costs out there. Uh, we are seeing a trend that those are going to come down, but it has to happen. You also need to build out infrastructure, right? Think about where can you go plug a semi-truck in to fill up on hydrogen? I, yeah. don't, I don't know many places, right? I mean, there's- well, where you can, it's, it's about 45 to 50 minutes to fill the tank. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some stations out in California that you can do passenger car in. Trucking, though, limited. Uh, Then you need to make more green hydrogen, right? That's the other big thing is a lot of the hydrogen produced today actually is more pollutive than running a diesel truck, which is not good, right? I mean, if we're trying to solve this ESG problem or this emissions problem, climate change problem, 
you need green hydrogen, and that's very limited production a day. Now, that's also being worked on. So stepping back to it, my philosophy was, all right, Hylion, we could either go right to hydrogen and we could be hydrogen fuel cell, or we can start with natural gas, develop the powertrain, and then evolve into hydrogen when the time is right. And the thing that dawned on me was, you know, hydrogen has been the, the fuel source that's been a decade away for the last 30 years, yeah. right? And so is now different, hopefully, but we don't know, and we don't know how long it's going to take. So as opposed to building a business where we had to be relying on others building station, others build, bringing the cost down, others making green hydrogen, and others making reliable fuel cells, why don't we just start with natural gas, which has stations built out, already is low cost, has a net negative capable emissions profile, all these benefits, let's start here. And then whenever the time is right to go to hydrogen, we'll already have millions of miles already proven out on our powertrain that we just replace the power plant with a fuel cell and you're good to go. We're here in Texas right now. They know a few things about energy out this way. A little bit. When, uh... yeah, when, you look, when, when you look at the, like the fat cats in the oil industry and fracking and what's going on with energy here, um, is there a clear winner that they're looking at? Because they have to know they have to serve this market. They know the regulations are coming. So is, is there one that they really want to back, like versus Nat, nat Gas versus Hydrogen? I've seen they're playing in a lot of different spaces, right? They obviously have hydrogen development. They also have a lot going on with renewable natural gas. Actually, RNG, biogas, like the adoption and amount of interest that's been going towards it in the last couple of years has skyrocketed. So to put some numbers to it, RNG, and just for any of the viewers that may not be familiar with it, it's like capturing emissions off of landfills, dairy farms, wastewater treatment plants, and taking that pollution and using it as fuel. So some of the cool stats. There are just as many development projects under works right now to produce more RNG as there are already in existence. So that means in the years ahead here, we're conceptually planning on looking at doubling the amount of RNG production. And over the last handful of years, it's kind of been a hockey curve, uh, a hockey stick curve in terms of RNG production. Last year, we also suppressed that over 50% of the fuel sold at CNG stations or NAC gas stations already came from renewable natural gas. So that means that chances are if you plug, if you, or you go into a station, you know, you're more likely to get RNG than you are to get conventional natural gas. So, uh, so we're seeing a major shift towards renewable natural gas. And there's uh, so many positives that come from it that we're seeing a lot of these big, you know, oil and gas players putting substantial amounts of money behind it to really grow that network. You know, what we're seeing out there in terms of the BEV space when it comes to trucking is a big pivot. Now it's, mm -hmm. it's to regional and ports and not necessarily due to them wanting that market, it seems to me. It's more due to the limitation of what a battery can actually do with that 250-mile range plus the, the extra weight that you get from those battery packs. Um, has that kept you away from thinking about a full BEV solution? Is it just really hard to solve for the, the weight and the range factor? Yeah, so we've stayed away from it for a couple of reasons. One is... Uh, it is a there's a lot of players in that space so yeah. you know we didn't we didn't want to dive into you know an area where ton of competition in the range extender we we've got a unique uh, unique niche there uh but it's a huge market which is good that's the other thing is bev plug-in we had a fleet in here who was running bev trucks and i asked him i said how much of your fleet you know the, all the shipments you do thousands of trucks how much can you practically do on bevs versus the other part you're going to need a range extender just because the miles you're driving he very quickly said, he was, look, he was like, look, 5% of my operations today could be done on a BEV. The other 95%, I need something that has longer range. So for us, we're going after a much bigger market, which obviously is a, a big benefit. So that's why we stayed in the range extender. 
here here's a personal opinion, not uh, you know, not sure. highly on wide opinion or not you know, corporate message, but personal opinion is we will get to a point where batteries will be fine for trucks. Don't know when, right? But it will be, yeah, you could get 500 miles of range out of your battery pack on the truck. The problem we're going to have, though, is the grid is not going to be able to charge that truck. We're already seeing it today where fleets are going to the utility provider and they're saying, hey, that's great. You want to adopt 10 trucks. The grid can only support three. So, you know, that's all we're going to allow that much electricity for you. So I think, sure, we'll have a truck that could theoretically drive 500 miles. There'll be nothing there to charge it, though. How do you separate yourself from the the company now? Because you're so tied in, you've been you've been uh, so deep in this as the CEO yeah. and founder. How do you how do you make that delineation? Uh, it, yeah, my life is highly on, frankly. Uh, yeah. No. So I mean, uh, this is I still view this as you know this is my baby, right? This is a company that hey, this was an idea when I was in college. We're going to go grow this thing, and so highly uh, on and Thomas are, are uh, <laughs> a lot of times the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Your customers and investors want to know that your company is serious about sustainability. Show them the depth of your commitment when you rely on AIT Worldwide Logistics for your freight forwarding needs. From Scope 3 carbon footprint reporting to calculating emissions at the transaction level, partnering with AIT sends a clear message to stakeholders. You mean business when it comes to sustainability. Learn more at AITWorldwide.com. Right on. What kind of trucking company needs to be productive, safe, and profitable to stay in business, you ask? Yours does. That's why the folks who built KeepTrucking.com just rebranded to Motive. Go safe, go productive, go profitable, GoMotive.com. That's GoMotive.com. History lesson, boys and girls. For over 35 years, Fleetworthy Solutions has provided a single source of solutions to help monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risk for private and for hire carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go beyond compliant. Well, you know, the public has a big interest in here, and I think we should transition because we asked the the lovely people on Twitter who have Absolutely. always been great to come in. They've been so engaging every single time we've put questions out, and they do have a lot of questions. Should we uh, should we turn the stage over to them? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see who we got here. We got a, we got a whole uh, wide swath of them. All right, the first one comes from Joey C, and he says. Thomas Healy, in order for Hylion's RNG ERX semi to stay relevant as a clean energy solution for long haul, as well as being a cost-saving product, do you feel that deliveries of the ERX need to be made sooner in order to stay ahead of other hydrogen and Tesla semis? Sure. So obviously our goal is to get it out as soon as possible, but it's got to be a reliable product. So to the question of, like, are we going to miss the boat if we're not uh, out sooner? I don't think so at all, because... What I've actually seen is over the last year, with so much interest in electrification and some of the early BEV trucks being deployed, fleets are actually realizing more of the hurdles that come with electric uh, BEV plug-in as opposed yeah. to being like, oh, I'm sold, I'm ready to go, right? So I actually, I don't think there, you know, there's a problem of it's not going to be like, oh, we missed the boat. Uh, obviously, the sooner we get the product out, the better. But the fact that some of these fleets are experiencing the hurdles of a plug-in truck actually works to our benefit. I mean, my personal opinion, I like a lot of what Tesla does. But to that question, too, he's talking about hydrogen there. Big challenge. Yeah. Hard to make viable at the moment anyway. So that's not really... Stations are going to take a long time to build. Exactly. And the semi, the Tesla semi, it's going to have range issues where it's not going to be in competition. So I don't think you can necessarily look at those two products as the same thing. You're not really hitting the same market. Someone who's going over over the road long haul, I don't see them buying a BEV until that matures much deeper. 
Agreed. And the other thing that sometimes I find is a misconception out there is people think like EVs are available. Like, oh, I'll go down to my local truck dealer. I'll you know buy the EV off the yeah. lot. That is not the case. We had a we had a massive fleet in here yesterday, uh, one of the largest in the industry. And they were like, I can't get a BEV. I have none in my operations right now because no OEM has any. And so this is not like EVs are not widely spread. Hydrogen fuel cell trucks, I think there's only some being operated in the port of uh, in Cal- ports in California. So like we are still at the very early stages. I don't I think Hylion is right on time with where these other companies are with a solution that has a lot less uh, you know hurdles to get it actually deployed. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair enough uh, fair enough answer. Uh, boosted. So now what says? I'm curious how as how they're going to use these trucks. Long hauler city deliveries. We kind of got into that one. It depends on battery performance. Well, it's only it's not really relying on the battery, right? You've already yeah. got the CNG in there. Yeah. So uh, so where we see the use case is when you have to drive hundreds of miles. I yeah. think short haul local delivery less than 100 miles a day. BEV plug in makes a ton of sense. After that, definitely after 200 miles, you need a range extender. Uh, we were, when we were driving, I was sharing an example of we actually had a fleet that uh, drives from upper state New York into New York City. And one of the things that they were excited about is they can drive in New York City with zero noise, right, oh, yeah. because they can turn the generator off. That then opens up the windows of when they can go make deliveries to any time versus with a diesel truck, they have set windows of when they can drive into the city and not because of noise ordinances. So I think we're we're seeing that while we know that this plus than you know plus 200 miles is our sweet spot i think we're going to find a lot of other use cases that we just don't even know about yet yeah and i think that people also have to understand that because i think all these things get grouped battery electric electric you know electric hybrid trucks they all get grouped together but i think one thing that people have to understand about trucking especially investors is there's multiple different segments there's the drayage community there's the regional trucking community there's the middle mile community there's the over the road community yeah um and then there's the cross-border community, too. And all of these have different demands and yep. that they all have to be solved for in their different markets to address. So, um, yeah, good answer on that one. We Ma- got a massive industry, but so many different uses. It, it really is. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things people learn very quickly when they get into this business is like, oh, trucking is really not as simple as it looks yeah. on the surface. Very true. Nor is designing and developing an electric powertrain. <laughs> you would know better than I would. Silent Alert says, could you provide some color on Hylian software with regards to ERX, as in uh, what it will include? Will it have geolocation, maintenance? Will it be mandatory, or will they have to subscribe to it? Yeah, so uh, so software is definitely one of the proprietary things on our end, and as you saw, yeah. a lot of the engineers here I woke here them are, up with the air horn. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm surprised you, you didn't get some more glares when we were walking back in the building. I blamed it on you. <laughs> um, but no, software is a huge part of this play. Uh, we are doing, obviously, the, the integration of the electric powertrain that's being uh, built by us. But then the neat features, like uh, Silent Alert mentioned, the geozoning, right? So this is something where you know, we want our product as you're driving into a city that we're going to top up the batteries before you get there. And then you're going to have as long of a range, you know, as you need to be able to drive to the city. And then when you come back out of the city, the gen set kicks on. Uh, similarly, if you're going into your warehouse, uh, you can, you know, five miles before you get to the warehouse, turn the generator off. So those are all things we're designing and developing. We do plan on having uh, software features that will be kind of subscription-based as well. Uh, we have not shared a lot of the the in-depth details of those, but definitely more to come on that end. Um, but ultimately, software will be a large competitive differentiation for Hylion. Could there would there be something like smart routing built into that at also so you could integrate where CNG stations are? 
Absolutely. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, for a driver, they just plug in their destination. Then we say, Hey, you can hit these stations along the way. And, and then obviously you you can come up with a thousand ideas of what you can do with that. Well, Hey, let's find you the station that has the the lowest, uh, prices of fuel, or let's find you the station that has that parking spot that you need for the night. You know, all these different ideas, We've got we have way more ideas than uh, than we, uh, we we have time to execute or implement right now, but that'll obviously be things that we'll take advantage of in the future. Are you looking at partnerships too for some outside development? There's companies like, for example, like Trucker Park, for example. It's like an app that shows you all the trucking things are. So they've built a lot of that stuff. So people like them, they might even work well. Not necessarily them, but something like that may. Absolutely. As well as like there are already tools out there of where how you see where all the natural gas stations are. So we would much rather be smart and let's integrate this stuff together and, and pull it into one system that a fleet can use as opposed to the driver needing 10 tablets across their dash of, oh, well, this one tells me my parking spots. This one tells yeah. me, you know, how the system's performing. No driver wants that, right? And so there is this kind of integration play that, you know, that's our philosophy. Yeah, there's already enough knobs and, and doodads inside yeah. of a truck to begin with. <laughs> uh, Devo, he says, not not that Devo, a different, with two E's. Devo okay. says, I want to know when they'll start designing their own truck and collab with Volvo, and I want to know tomorrow. Uh, okay. That <laughs> says it's so, his dream. He said it's his dream. So our own truck uh, that's not on the roadmap, no. I mean, we are focused on powertrain, yeah. right? And uh, and I actually think that's a huge competitive advantage for us and uh, and one that maybe maybe sometimes gets overlooked, right? I mean, the, the costs of if we did design our own truck are huge. The time it's going to take to market huge similarly like what what uh you know hurdles do you hit when you actually try to design a full vehicle like we've seen over the last years we've had air not not highly on but like car industry airbag recalls floor mats sticking under gas pedals like all these things that you know you need to account for when you're designing a new vehicle we get to surpass or circumvent all that and we just go right to the powertrain. So that allows us to get to market faster. So, you know, the plan is not go design a truck. The plan is do the powertrain. Working with Volvo, we're already doing that on the hybrid system. Uh, and then, you know, with time, that'll pulled into the hyper truck as well. Well, that's cool. If he likes the Volvo anyway, like then you get to have your Volvo and yep. then you get to have the Hylion Tech on board. Exactly. So you, you yeah. get to have both. Yeah. I like it. I look, please, look man, I know drivers, and they're like, they're either obsessed with Max or yep. Ken's or Pete's or yep. Volvo's. They have their thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's, and you don't always know why, right? There's some unique reason, but they have the truck that they love. When you're in Texas, it's like, you know, two a-holes fighting over what they like, like a Ford or a Chevy truck, right? Or a Dodge yeah. Ram. What's this better? is pickup country here, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, can get, can, you, know, you might end up in a shootout over that kind of stuff. <laughs> you got to be careful. Uh, Jason Rockmeeker says, he, Jason Rockmeeker says, how is Hylion's battery solutions business developing? Yeah. Well, so you got to see the battery. I did. Uh, so, so I'll let you share with the viewers what your take was. Well, it was interesting. So I saw a lot of Toshiba batteries being assembled in uh, sort of your proprietary tech thing. And you had the laser etcher going on and yep. a bunch of nerds in lab coats making sure <laughs> it uh, it went OK. I'm not a specialist in batteries, um, so you could probably feel a little better here. But it looked like you had the operation and the, the ideas down. You did explain to me about like uh, cinnamon toast bread and stuff like that <laughs> as well. Yeah. So, well, now the viewers are going to be wondering. And what what <laughs> so so the analogy was uh you know there's a bunch of different types of batteries and it's kind of like when you walk into a grocery store and you're buying bread right so you have you have different makers of bread as well as you have different uh types of bread so you have white whole wheat uh multi-grain well that's the different chemistries of batteries right you have uh lto which is what we use you have nmc you have lfp you have different varieties that all have different characteristics 
you then also have different makers, right? You have like Wonder Bread, for instance, as well. So, you know, we've got Toshiba as our battery maker. You have LG, you have Panasonic. So they that's kind of their the landscape of batteries. And uh, and we chose LTO as the right battery for us because extremely high charge rates and uh, in discharge rates, as well as long life and uh, fantastic safety characteristics. And then we chose Cho- Toshiba because uh, wide variety of uh, manufacturing capabilities across the world, as well as just unprecedented, unbelievable uh, consistency and quality of the cells mm-hmm. that they make. Uh, unbelievable, honestly, uh, which is great to see. So so that's why we t- chose Toshiba. Now, to the question of uh, how is it progressing? So uh, we see that, you know, the batteries are going to be first deployed in our systems, which we're doing today with hybrid, and then uh, we'll be doing that with Hypertruck as well. Uh, but then we do see in the future that this could become a uh, an area of opportunity where we could sell, you know, modules to, uh, to others as well. So uh, the folks right now deployed in our systems down the road look to expand that. Very cool. Uh, Irion Alit says, where would the first ERX builds happen that we plan to send to fleets for trials at the end of the year? Um, For context, the question is to bring some color to the plan to support the build of the 100 ERX uh, we also have builds for. So what's up with that? So Peterbilt chassis, in the beginning, the chassis will be coming here to Austin. We'll be doing the installs here and then shipping them to fleets. Long-term, though, that's not the play. The long-term play is we basically assemble a powertrain. We ship it directly to the OEM, and the OEM installs it as they're manufacturing the truck. That's where we're heading. Obviously, to start, we needed to do kind of retrofits and upfits, uh, and we're doing that here in Austin. But obviously, we'll push fast towards getting this to be an online assembly. Yeah. If there's any mis- this isn't a truck manufacturer. I walked around here. Right. There's not there's not truck bodies being <laughs> assembled or stuff. There's, there's stuff being it's taken a lot of out trucks. and put into the trucks. Yeah, but yeah. this is not... They're not a. Um, it's a truck, but it's not. It's not. They're not Peterbilt. Exactly. They're not Peterbilt. Um, Rich Zoo says, "Please ask: Are the drivers going to have to pay extra for driving clean trucks?" So it depends on what system you're going to drive, yeah. right? Uh, with our system, the goal is no, right? We're using a low-cost fuel to charge the batteries, so that you're not ending up with a massive expense in order to drive a vehicle to drive your truck. Uh, with hydrogen, I think right now, yeah, you would have to be paying way more with even grid electricity. Like, all right, here's, sorry to bring us down a rabbit hole here, but like most people don't realize that fleets, when they go set up their electric contracts, the the utility says, all right, whatever the, uh, the 15 minute window is this month that you consume the most electricity out of all of your, you know, time with us, we're going to charge you that as if you had consumed that consistently across the month, Right. So fleets are getting hit with these massive, massive, uh, you know, inflated electricity bills because, you know, for one 15-minute window, they had a bunch of stuff plugged in and running, and, you know, that's what now what they pay for the whole month. So even electric plug-in trucks a lot of times don't make sense economically yet compared to a diesel. That's not the same with the hyper truck, right? And that's where, like, if you can bring a fleet, a solution that saves them money and can also reduce emissions, it's a win-win. Yeah. Well, I, I think another win, too, in the, the sort of cost of ownership category is trucks break a lot. Things happen to yeah. trucks, right? So if you're using a European truck or you're just building your solution from the ground up, that's going to be very challenging for someone to repair. Yeah. If you know how to work on a Pete, you know how to work on a Ken, you're going to be able to do it. How easy, though, will your system be able to work on for, for the owner of the truck? 
Yeah, so the way we're designing it is it's a modular system. So what we don't want happening is technicians out in the field getting into high-voltage battery packs, right? Yeah. That's not the goal. Uh, the goal is if there's a problem with a component, you're going to swap out that whole component and then send it back to Hylion and we'll refurbish it. So uh, we actually see it as it's a lot of plugging in, in connectors and you know nuts and bolts that are actually going to be what a, a technician would interface with. And so we see it as very practical for a fleet to be able to service. Um, to go back to the first part of that in what you were saying, fleet actually that's in here today, uh, we got a great relationship with them. Uh, they actually, it was their story they said to me uh, when they were considering buying someone else's truck who uh, builds the whole truck from the ground up. They said, look, our number one maintenance cost is our drivers hit deer. And when that driver hits a deer, they're going to rip the front bumper off. And if I have a truck that there are no dealers across the U.S. and no available inventory of spare parts, that truck is going to be down for weeks, if not months, waiting to be repaired. Versus if I hit a deer with a Volvo, was what they were saying, uh, then I'm going to pull it into the Volvo dealership. They're going to replace the front bumper, and my driver's back out on the road. So Hylion system just makes sense from that standpoint of we're not trying to reinvent the whole vehicle. Yeah. These things only make money when they're moving. That is true. <laughs> yeah. And sitting at a charger for five hours, ten hours a day, you're not making money. Well, here's the thing, and I'm sure you know this, and you learn this more and more every day when you talk to fleets. Like, Hylion's a great thing about Hylion's great, but really your focus has to be on what these fleets want. Yeah. What do they want their drivers? Are there any that you can disclose, or is it all kind of a little, a, little, uh, a little silent right now? No, so I mean we've uh, we've disclosed who our innovation council members are. We've also disclosed some of the uh, the orders and reservations that we pulled in, and uh, you know we're working with both the massive fleets as well as the smaller fleets, and uh, and we're seeing different reasons why each one's going to buy or different pain points that we're solving for with each one. But overall, the the general reception is yes, this makes sense, and I want them, and uh, I want to start running them in my fleet, like what we talked about earlier, they're not just going to come in and say, yeah, deliver me a hundred trucks. I'm ready to go. No, they want to, they want to actually get to experience it. That's what these ride and drives are. Uh, they want to start running them in their fleets, like the control fleet trials. And then from there, that's when they'll say, yeah, this, this is the right solution for me. I'm going to go, you know, the next 500 trucks I order, I'm going to buy them all with the highly on powertrain. That's the goal. Nice. Let's see who's next here. Oh, Cracker Box Jimmy. He <laughs> says, how much does heating and cooling the cab when operating extreme heat or cold affect the range of the truck? So we talked about this a little bit. You, you kind of mentioned, especially in a yeah. BV, definitely going to be impacted. It, it definitely impacts it. Uh, you are, in the grand scheme of things, when you think about how much electricity or energy it takes to move 80,000 pounds yeah. down the road, Heating and cooling is a small uh, small number compared to that, but it will still impact it. So for us, uh, the cool thing is it doesn't impact your your range drastically because when you have a thousand miles of range, like yeah. you know that you're going to pass many CNG stations along the way that you can plug, you could stop in and uh, and refuel on. BEVs though, you definitely need to keep that into account as to how much you know how much uh, heat are you going to be running or AC. You're yeah. Gonna be running. Uh, Switch hitter says Peterbilt Motors is a perfect choice to launch the ERX. However, what do the other OEMs think about integrating the technology? Has there been any talks and positive feedback from Kenworth, Freightliner, Volvo? Uh, or even an international hypertruck ERX. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, the, the plan is move to other OEMs as well. Kenworth is also owned by Packard, which owns Peterbilt. So uh, that one, you know, is a, a natural progression. The other OEMs we've already installed are hybrid systems on their trucks. So natural progression as well. Uh, but 
in order to be successful, we have to start somewhere. Yeah. And Peterbilt is a fantastic choice uh, for where to start. Uh, we've got a great relationship with them. They got awesome trucks and ones that drivers are really liking. So, you know, what more can you ask for? And they're in Texas, so they're right up the road. Uh, easy to, to work with them. So from that standpoint, uh, we'll, we'll continue to expand OEM choice in the, in the U.S., but then international, same sort of answer. But yeah. absolutely, we're we do pl- see this as an international play as well. But we got to be successful here in the U.S. first, get the product launch, and then we'll go overseas. Yeah, you can't overextend yourself. Yeah. too much. Then then you'll we'll never then achieve, you get your own. We'll never uh, yeah. you'll never, you'll never accomplish anything. Yeah, you'll never get anything done. Um, Stadsman says, "How soon do we expect highly on next gen fuel agnostic and hydrogen trucks to demo?" We kind of talked a little bit about this. Hydrogen trucks is a little ways off. Yeah. Uh, next-gen fuel, I guess you've been CNG. What does he mean with that? Yeah, so on our roadmap, we're saying we're starting with an ICE. We're then going to go to a fuel agnostic before we get to fuel cell. So that's something we haven't actually chatted much about, this fuel agnostic, yeah. which I actually think is going to be a, a huge, huge play for Hylion. So What is that for someone who's never heard the term? Yeah, so the powertrain looks the same, but the generator is one that can either run on NAC gas or on hydrogen. Mm-hmm. So, and this is something that, you know, we're already working on. We shared that on our last earnings call, like the development is underway. We're uh, making good progress there. Uh, we haven't put exact timelines of when things would be rolling out, but um, but what we see as a, a big differentiator is that if you can deliver a truck to a fleet that it could pull into a NAC gas station or it can pull into a hydrogen station, well, now you've just made the adoption of hydrogen that much easier because you're not dependent on hydrogen. You can use various fuels. So we see that as being a big advantage as well as the fact that our plan or our our game, like a lot of a lot of people think, oh, the 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 thing Highland needs to work on is make the batteries better. Batteries are already plenty good for our application. The area for evolution is make the generator more and more efficient, mm-hmm. right? If we can make electricity more efficiently on board the truck, then that means that you know your your cost of operation goes down, and uh, you know we're already at a point that with an internal combustion engine, it is cheaper to run our engine to produce electricity than your average grid electricity. So we already are cheaper. Now the goal will be how do we get more and more efficient as well? Oh, A. Curtis says, ask if some of the companies that test drive the truck who are doing these ride-alongs, do they ask you not to make it public? They just want to come in sort of covertly, see what it is, and just not have anyone ask them about it yet. Absolutely. I would think so, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's one here today who, uh, who you know, we had to remove their logo from the front lobby before you got here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so no. guys coming by. Let's yeah. <laughs> Take that down. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, fleets are exploring what technologies they want to use, and, uh, and some fleets don't want to be uh, associated with one brand yet, right? Sure. They're trying to figure it out still. So, uh, some fleets, though, are like, yeah, let's go show the world that we're here and, uh, and promote it. So, it depends right, on because the danger is. is that ends up in in print or in the headline, and then people will go, "Oh, that company is now." You know, investors sometimes take it the wrong way. Retail investors do, and could be bad for that fleet. Could be bad for us as well. Yeah. Like, what if we just have some random fleet in that we're yeah. like, "Yeah, we'll give you a ride and drive," but then they say, "Look, I'm bullish on hydrogen. I'm going to go right there today," and they don't buy Highland System. Yeah. Then all everyone's saying, "What, well, what happened to them?" In, yeah, yeah, they lost interest or something. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, it makes total sense. Um, Oh, where? Okay, Stephen McCourt, he wants to know, and we just talked about these, the generators. Let's go a little deeper. He wants to know where you're sourcing them from. Yeah, so we have not publicly unveiled uh, the the different uh, generators and who they're coming from. Uh, that is something that we do plan on sharing more as we get through the process here. So more to come on that one. Interesting. Yeah. Which is a big mystery. <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll unmask it. Um, okay. S- Strong and Free says... 
Please ask what he sees the biggest obstacle being for his sales team. Is there a limit to the number of customers or size of orders they can take due to the shortages or production capacity? I imagine there's been some supply chain issues, too, that we're all dealing with. Yeah, yes. Ask the sales team. Uh, we could swing by their desk when, when we're heading out. Uh, they're going to be like, I just want a truck I can deliver to people, yeah, yeah. right? You know, so uh, so they want to want the uh, solution available today. Obviously, all of us want that same thing. But, you know, I think for the sales team, the thing has been make sure we choose the right fleets to roll this technology out with first, right? Uh, that's, you know, we want to make sure we make the best first impression. Uh, that's been the focus. Frankly, we we have turned away some fleets. We've said, like, look, in the beginning, this isn't the right application. Maybe it's like the, you know, hey, I want to haul 150,000 pounds. Okay, we want to yeah. get there, too, and we, we'll do that with you at some point. But let's start with 80,000-pound vehicles today, right? So we have turned away some of that interest. But the interest, frankly, has surpassed our expectations, which is great to see. The fleet demand is there. It's really just about let's get a vehicle that uh, they can start rolling out in their fleet. Who else we got? We'll do two more. Oh, I'm right near the bottom, too. Okay. Let's see here. This one is... Okay, this is from Callie, and it says, when projections have to change, deliverable projections, is that disappointing to you and the team, and what do you think the timeline of projections is right now? Yeah, so uh, obviously if it's a push out to the right, that's always disappointing. Now, yeah. uh, hopefully people see it's done for good reasons, right? You know, it's like, yeah, we don't want to develop, deliver a vehicle that hasn't been fully validated or, uh, you know, I don't think that serves anyone good, uh, you know, shareholders included, right? I mean, because then customers aren't going to want the product if we do that. So uh, obviously a push to the right, disappointing, but uh, it is the right choice for the organization. Um, and then the timeline that we're on right now is uh, the same as what we shared over the last couple of earnings calls. Control fleet trials later this year, uh, getting the, all the certifications going into 23, and then uh, being ready to start production in the latter part of 23. So Very it's exciting cool. times ahead here. All right, we'll do one last one here. Who do we got? You may not be able to answer this fully. Let's make the retail people happy. Sure. Because right? there's, there's like 10 billion people who ask this. So we'll, we'll give it to David Mora. David Moore asks, at current projections, how many of these do you think you'll need to sell to eventually get into a break-even point? Yeah, so David and, and for others who have asked that, we have not shared the exact economics of kind of that break-even point. What I will share, though, is uh, the goal here, and we talked about this when we were going around the shop, we see this as a solution that you know, tens of thousands of these vehicles being produced in the you know every year and being deployed onto into operations. Like you know, the trucking industry is uh, is three hundred thousand trucks a year being made. You know, do we get to a hundred thousand? Who knows? I love that. Obviously, that's like the push. But you know, tens of thousands uh, you know being deployed yearly, and uh, and then going international from there. So we we see that this is a true volume adoption play this is not a niche market by any means and frankly i think you're going to see that while we're going to we'll see kind of the the rising tide of all types of electric vehicles i think you'll see hylion being the one that fleets say yeah this is practical this makes sense i can use this across a lot of my fleet like to hear it. Thank you for answering all of our questions today. Absolutely. Been, thank you for the tour. It's been exciting to be in Thanks the truck. Thanks for driving the truck. Not crashing it. That's <laughs> always good. It. No, I, it was great to, to have you down and getting to share more of what we're doing. And hopefully you walk away just as, uh, as excited as we are about what the opportunities are ahead. And someone told me you're getting your CDL soon. You're about to complete your CDL. So maybe you can drive one of these things to Chattanooga pretty soon. Watch out. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> Bring that driver you had with us with you. Yeah. He was, he was uh, Hi, May. We'll, uh, we'll take it to Chattanooga. <laughs> so before we let you go, what's the very next thing people should be excited for out of Hylion? 
So one of the big things is uh, is actually getting these trucks out into control fleet trials, like starting to see movement of freight happening and, uh, and making deliveries and being able to check that box. They're like, hey, yeah, we actually started moving some cargo, maybe, you know, net negative emissions type profiles. Like those are huge wins. And uh, you'll continue to see the development of the product as we move into production. Very cool. People want to learn more? Go to highlyon.com, mm-hmm. listen to earnings calls, follow us on Twitter, all the above. Cool. For Thomas Healy and Freightways, this has been Dooner. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us for this interview on Earth Day. Thanks for having us. Take care.